uh, let's be still and pray for a moment. Heavenly Father, we just heard your word read, and we pray that by your spirit you would uh, work it into our hearts and into our minds, that you would uh, challenge us and encourage us and convict us. In Jesus' name, amen. What kind of man is this? That's the question everyone is asking of Donald Trump. What kind of man is this? Can he be trusted? Will he keep his commitments? Who will he appoint to positions of authority and influence and power? Will his time as president be marked by scandal? What kind of man is this? The same question was asked of Jesus. And many are asking that question today. What kind of man is he? Who was he? What did he stand for? Who is he? The passage that was just read to us might seem like an unlikely one to read at a baptism service. But it's been chosen for today because today in the church calendar we celebrate what's known as the Feast of Christ the King. The Sunday when we're reminded that Jesus is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It'd be hard to choose a less likely candidate to change the world. Jesus was not a political figure. He held no public office. He won no election. He had no connections with Herod or the Jewish leaders or with Caesar or Rome. He had no powerful friends. He led no army. He conquered no city. He died in his mid-thirties. Jesus never wrote a book. He never travelled. His followers were relatively poor and uneducated. The New Testament itself describes them as unschooled, ordinary men. Yet Jesus has changed the world. At his death, Pilate had the sign, the King of the Jews, placed above Jesus' head. It was meant as a joke, but it was truer than Pilate could ever imagine. Two criminals are crucified beside Jesus. One sees someone to be mocked, the other a king to be honoured. Jesus, remember me. A king rules a kingdom. And Jesus said that his kingdom was going to be established within the hearts of those who would bend the knee and submit to his rule. The kingdom of God is, in, is, with, is within you, he said to his followers, to those who believed in him, who trusted in him. It wouldn't be defended by walls or swords, but it was spread across the earth. It wouldn't be closed by borders or border guards, but would be open to any who would receive the king. It could be entered into by repentance and faith. Who is this man who proclaims such a kingdom? Jesus is a king whose kingdom has changed the world for millions who are sick and dying. In AD 165, an epidemic of what might have been smallpox spread across the Roman Empire. 
it killed up to a quarter of the population, including the emperor Marcus Aurelius himself. Less than a century later, there was a second epidemic. At its height, over 5,000 people were dying in the city of Rome, the heart of the empire. The city responded in panic. There is no guidance in the writings of Homer as to what they should do. There is no word from the god Zeus as to what action could be taken. The Greek historian Thucydides records how people responded to this plague. They died with no one to look after them. Many houses where all the inhabitants perished were locked up for lack of care. The bodies of the dying were heaped up one on top of the other. No fear of God or law of man had a restraining influence. But there was a community in that world who followed another God. There were citizens in that world who gave obedience to another king. A king who said, greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. A community who remembered the words of their King Jesus when he said, whatever you do for the least of me, you do for me. A community who followed the one who touched lepers while they were unclean. The Bishop of Alexandria reports what happened. The followers of Jesus tended to the sick. Heedless of danger, they took charge of the sick, attending their every need and ministering to them in the name of Christ. And with them departed this life serenely happy, for they were infected by others with the disease, drawing on themselves the sickness of their neighbours and cheerfully accepting their pains. What kind of king is this? whose followers will act with such radical obedience and selfless generosity. In a great church council, the Council of Nicaea, Gregory of Nyssa preached a sermon. And he said in that sermon, Lepers have been made in the image of God. Let us take care of Christ. Let us give Christ nourishment. Let us clothe Christ. Let us gather Christ in. Let us show Christ's honour. That great council wrote or put together the Nicene Creed, which has marked the faith of the church, defined the faith of the church for centuries since. It also passed another decree, a decree less well known. But that decree was that wherever cathedrals were built, a hospice was to be built too. A place of caring for the sick and for the poor. What kind of king inspires this generosity? Another follower of Jesus was a man named Jean-Henri Durant. He couldn't stand the sound of soldiers crying out on the battlefield as they had been wounded and left untended. So this Swiss philanthropist said he would devote his life to helping them, whatever flag they fought under, in Jesus' name. He started a movement that took as its emblem the symbol of one who taught 
that to follow him would mean taking up a cross and loving one's enemies. To follow him meant praying for those who persecute you. That emblem is the cross. The organisation Jean-Henri Durant founded became known as the Red Cross. Who is this man who inspires this devotion? Jesus is a king whose kingdom has changed the world for many who have the least, materially, politically, spiritually. I began by talking about Donald Trump. The US Declaration of Independence begins. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. And among these rights are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But the equality of all human beings has not always been self-evident. And those rights have not always been granted. Aristotle did not think that all were created equal. He wrote that inequality, masters and slaves, was the natural order of things. Nietzsche had the same idea. It was the teaching of Jesus and the example of his followers living under the rule of his kingship that challenged this view in the world and in practice. In the ancient world, some men grew up to be free, but most grew up to be slaves. Many did not grow up at all. Unwanted children, especially the ill or the deformed, or those born of the wrong sex, I'll let you decide which the wrong sex is, could be left abandoned or thrown into a river. They could be exposed out on the mountainside. But then another child is born. The child who is born is Jerusalem in Bethlehem and moves to Jerusalem. Asks this question. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And then he answers it. He calls a little child to him and he places him before the crowd. And he says, unless you change and become like this child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. But whoever becomes like one of these little children will be great in the kingdom of heaven. Who is this king who says such things? The average life expectancy in the ancient world was about 30 or so. That world was full of orphans. The church, the community of those who follow Jesus and are filled with his spirit, obeying his commands, lived as subjects of another king. As they organised themselves, they began to care for the orphans. At baptism then, as in baptism now, children would have godparents. But their responsibilities were more than just spiritual. If a parent died, it was the Christian godparent's responsibility to care for the child that was left behind. 
No abandoning on the hillside for this king. Who is this king? Slavery too was a scourge in the ancient world and sadly is still a scourge in our world today. John Newton was born in uh, the uh, earlier times. He was forced to serve at sea as a young boy. He grew up to be a ship's captain and made his money, his fortune, buying and selling slaves. Yet he hated his profession. His life was marked by gambling and profanity and drinking. He wrote in his journal that he often thought of suicide. And then the unexpected happened. He met another king. He encountered the living God while sailing off the coast of Ireland. The ship entered a severe storm off the coast of Donegal and almost sank. Newton awoke in the middle of the night as the ship was filling with water. He did something he had never done before. He prayed. The cargo shifted in the hole and stopped up at the hole. The ship drifted to safety. For the first time in his life, Newton realised that Jesus was more than a swear word, but the name of the Son of God. He put his faith in him and turned his life around. To mark his conversion, he wrote a hymn. The hymn, Amazing Grace, is the hymn we'll sing at the close of our service today. It contains this line. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Who is this king who saves sinners? Newton was to become a mentor to another Christian convert, William Wilberforce, member of parliament from my hometown at Hull. Wilberforce wanted to leave politics and become a minister or a missionary. But Newton urged him to stay in politics and devote his life to the end of slavery. Wilberforce did and fought for decades to end this evil trade. In 1833, one month after his death, Parliament finally legislated for the abolition of the slave trade. Who is this king who inspires this life of service? Who is this king? For Christians, he is the one in whom the fullness of God is revealed. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. His throne was a wooden cross. His crown was a crown of thorns. He had no rings on his fingers, but nails in his hands. His army was an army of angels, yet he told them to stay his hand. He ruled not by power and might, but by love and suffering and sacrifice. He laid down his life for his friends, but then in the power of the Spirit, he took it up again. In the resurrection, the Father declares, this is your king. 
Who is this king for you? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we consider who Jesus is, we pray that you would speak to us again and reveal to us afresh who he is. For those who've been following him faithfully for many, many years, uh, reveal again to us his glory and what it means for us to have him as our king, to follow him in obedience and faith. Well, for those of us for whom Jesus is very new, we pray that you would open our eyes and our hearts to see him as he truly is. Speak to us by your spirit and draw us to your side. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.